coming up on Influencing Entrepreneurs. And a lot of times I, th I see a lot of young people thinking about entrepreneurship because they can't think of anything else, when in reality they should just be learning as much as they can. After years of teaching entrepreneurship and consulting business owners, I realized that true knowledge comes from the wins and losses of those entrepreneurs. These are the stories of those business leaders. I'm Kazmer Ward, and this is Influencing Entrepreneurs. Well, today we're here with Rick Elias of Red Ventures. Uh, I appreciate you being here today, Rick. I appreciate you being here. So um, let's start. Where did your entrepreneurial journey begin? What is really interesting, I think entrepreneurship was probably my grandfather's bloodline. It skipped my dad um, and then probably got passed on to me through that. I, since I was a little kid, I've, I've always found it fascinating. Uh, to dream about uh, what would my business be one day. And since very young, I did what a lot of entrepreneurs do. I sold candy in school. I had my newspaper route. I painted houses. I, I hustle. I hustle yeah. and I, I develop a love for kind of putting hard work into creating value and then getting paid for it. So do you make a conscious decision once you enter into your late teen, early adulthood that you say entrepreneurship is the way to go? Because, you know, Growing up for me, entrepreneurship was, wasn't really even much of a word, maybe even a bad word. <laughs> it was where the, yeah. uh, the unemployed went, was entrepreneurship until uh, people realized the value of it. Did you make a conscious decision or did you start an industry? Um, kind of both. Uh, you know, we, we are such a product of our upbringing. So while my father um, became a doctor and, you know, he always talked about you, you got to own your own shingle. And if you're a lawyer, a doctor, which is what he would have preferred me to be, just like my siblings, uh, it really was about having your own shingle. And he calls it being the owner of the of the fruit cart. Uh, and so I think that that in its mind was the, the independence, less about the entrepreneurship part of it. Um, you know, quite frankly, I wasn't as bright as my siblings. And, you know, we would sit around the table and I'm like, I better find another lane. <laughs> as a kid, it was humor. Yeah. Uh, as, a, as a teenager was, you know, athletics and then as an adult was kind of picking a different path so so you you don't choose humor as your path or athletics no as no your i path. build on them you build you, on you'll them. see we'll get they're, going they're, they're, yeah they're tools <laughs> but, but what does what the path become uh you know to, to me i was just seeking um you know i, I wouldn't call it entrepreneurship I, I i really ultimately felt like i wanted to have an independent lifestyle and to me, that's what entrepreneurship represented. I couldn't put the words to it. And that became being self-sufficient with my own money very young, all the way through ultimately kind of the, the good luck that we've had at Red Ventures has come out of that journey of, of seeking independence. But you know, if, if from a very um, unique perspective, my grandfather had immigrated from Lebanon to Puerto Rico. And long story short, they got kicked out of a ship that had an epidemic and uh, my grandfather was, I think, four years old. He got sent back to Lebanon. He was raised there, came back as a you know, young adult and started a bunch of businesses. None of them worked. I never met my grandpa. I just, I know the myth of my grandpa. And uh, and, and that, that myth, though, it's romantic, like started a bunch and, of businesses. Sure, exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, and in, in eventually what happened, he became very successful. He was a very, very wealthy, successful uh, entrepreneur in Puerto Rico. He imported potatoes and uh, tomatoes from New Jersey and kind of controlled the market and did really well. And then in his, uh, in his late 50s, early 60s, he got Alzheimer's. And 
a little thing they found out is he wasn't paying all of his taxes. So they lost all their fortune. They went from being one of the wealthiest families in Puerto Rico to one of the poorest literally overnight. And I think that really affected, rightly so, my dad and his siblings and all of that. But I I always heard this story as a kid and, you know, my grandfather is still held in high regard. But I always wonder, why why didn't you pay your taxes? And uh, I think in the back of my mind, I... uh, I probably wanted to try to do what he did, and but do it the right way. So I think that, that is the intrinsic motivator inside of me, which is, you know, just trying to, to some level, we all trying to <laughs> make our parents proud of us. So, so you had the ideal there. I have to ask, did you have that, <laughs> that bad job? Did you have that uh, job in industry where you're like, I, I can't be confined by this? Yeah, I actually think that they're all bad fits but not bad jobs i think one of the things are you know we don't do well enough is understand that life is as much about eliminating things as it is about opting into things so when i look at my career i was an accounting major because i didn't know any english and accounting you didn't have to talk so everybody in accounting, my language yeah, right there now. you go everybody <laughs> in accounting had to go to you know back then was the the big six and uh, and I went and worked this summer there, and I'm like, I'm, I will set myself on fire if I have to do this for the rest of my life. Like yeah. we were doing kind of auditing and all that, so my personality wasn't yeah. you know, fit for that. And so I eliminated that even though I was an accounting major, being a CPA wasn't for me. I have lots of good friends that are yeah. very successful CPAs. Right. And, and with those, account, those programs, the expectation is that is what success yeah, looks the, like. It was the same for me was the big six firm, and, and making a choice to not do that was taboo. Yeah. How did you come to that decision? So um, I knew with big six accounting that, uh, and it's big four now, so I know I'm showing my age, yeah. but it's- yeah. uh, You're younger than me though. You choose a path of audit or tax. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of liked and disliked both of them. So I was, you know, I knew at 21, 22, I couldn't make a, a career choice forever. Right. And from there I was like, that's how I ended up at the bank. And it was a program that said, you get to, a different year, we're going to move you to a different part a yeah. department. And I was yeah. like, entrepreneurial, looking at it into the way I live my life today is I, I like to do a little bit of everything. Yeah. And I've always kind of built from there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, for me then, I kept eliminating things. I, the next summer in college, I, uh, you know, worked at a an insurance broker in Puerto Rico and was like, ah, oh, that was not for me. It was too much of a family business and then after college I worked at General Electric and I'm like you know big companies are not for me and then I worked I was fortunate that I worked in Japan for a couple years and I didn't want to be that far from my family so that wasn't for me although a lot of people love this notion of international business you know I think that so you keep eliminating things and then ultimately you in that in that process not only do you learn a lot about yourself but you learn about the things that you end up liking and, and what you want to spend your time and energy on. Well, realizing that you did that, that you eliminated stuff, you know, retrospectively, it's easy to say that. What Was it a point where, I mean, it kind of feels like, you know, lonely or odd, like, hey, this isn't working. This Is, is there ever a point where there's, it, it plays with you a little bit, plays with your, your, your ego. Your emotions. Your emotions. You know, you're in your 20s and in your 20s, this is what life is about. There's very few things you have to do in your 20s. Right? There's a lot of things you could do. And so that's the age to really try your way. And then when I, when I came back and went to business school, I thought I was ready. I was in my kind of mid to late 20s. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go start something. And I got a great advice from a professor, which is, you know, 
you're not ready, go and learn on someone else's nickel. Go and learn something about an industry, find, you know, kind of a need that is not being served and then, you know, go from that position. And that was great advice. And it was not, you know, at that point, the dot-com bus, uh, the boom was happening and all that. So right. the, the easy thing was to do that. But I, I really appreciated the fact that I went and for five years, I learned how to hire people. I learned how to fire people. I learned how to run a PL. I learned how to, you know, deal with HR. You know, you learn a lot of things and you're learning them on someone else's nickel and you're learning them in a system where you're getting a lot of reps. You know, intuition is nothing else than right. having seen something before. And I, what I see is a lot of people think of entrepreneurship as a career. Uh, and if you don't have enough intuition, if you haven't gotten enough of the reps, if you don't know something well enough, if you're not clear, at least hypothetically, about a problem you're trying to solve, you're kind of gambling. Right. Uh, and you're, you know, you just have a hunch or, you know, so. It's, it's almost a, a, a philosophy or a religion at some point. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times I, th I see a lot of young people thinking about entrepreneurship because they can't think of anything else. When yeah. in reality, they should just be learning as much as they can. They should be finding environments where, you know, the company does stuff that is interesting in an industry that is forward leaning. Um, on a culture that they will fit in and hopefully growing so that they get opportunities ahead of their time. And then eventually you'll figure out what is it that kind of appeals to you and do you see a problem that is not being solved and can you make a run at it? Well, and it's hard because in today's climate right now, entrepreneurship is kind of like, um, it's got a spotlight on it. It's, it's like a celebrity in and of itself. And it's, you know, it's, you, there's too many examples of the people that made it overnight success story and not the stories of those that struggled along the way. Yeah, the, the vast majority did not. And by the way, I, I think that was the story of yesterday. If you and I are sitting here a year from now, yep. uh, starting a business is going to get a lot, lot harder. Right. And the money, the, the days of kind of free money are, uh, are kind of done. You learn business, you learn all the aspects of a business on someone else's uh, dime. The, uh, but I'm also, that's the last thing you eliminated before you committed to Red Ventures. I knew that I wanted to try to do something. I had learned a lot around direct marketing, direct response. So that was kind of the muscle, but it's not like I knew. I, I just had a, 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 a perch from where to launch from. But what we reached, what we set out to do in 2000 to what we ended up doing in 2005 to what we became in 2010 to what we grew into in 2015 to what we were in 2020 to what we will be in 2025 completely different and I, I I think when when I look when an entrepreneur comes to me uh, if I were to invest which I do a lot less of just from a distraction standpoint um, I really don't judge the business model or the business plan all that much but so you were mentioning though that like if, as you talk to entrepreneurs it is about the person it's not how good their business plan is it's not the yeah, presentation you know, the, the, the business plan is seldomly if ever the business that makes it mm -hmm. so if that's a statement that is true which i believe is to be true then why put so much weight in the business plan itself you, you want to make sure that there's a need that they're trying to address, but more importantly, does a team have the temperament to keep evolving and changing? And do they demonstrate the humility to accept the kind of feedback the market is gonna give them and not get too wedded to the original idea? So I think that's, um, it's a little bit, and that comes with experience. If you've right. never done something, you, you have a business plan, you get married to the business plan, and it's almost guaranteed failure if that's the only thing you try. So what opportunity did you see that, that started Red Ventures? 
Yeah, looking back, it was a terrible idea. Um, it was really. What was weak. that idea? No, it was just, so you know. At the time, there were all these internet companies that were overpriced. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's the first vintage of what's yeah. going on now. A lot of people think that what you're seeing today is reminiscent of early right. 2000. Um, the difference is that there's plenty of businesses now making real money. Back then, right. there was there was no money. It was that it was an, again ideal, like oh, this is where the world's going. Yeah. Money will come later, and it didn't. And it, it didn't. In uh, in you know, so we we thought that those big online brands that have raised all that capital will need offline marketing to really advertise themselves because back then online advertising wasn't a thing. You know, it was ninety eight percent of budgets were spending offline, and the best way to do it was to do traditional direct response marketing, not just advertising, which is a different. So that's what we were trying to do: is you know help the online, new online brands do offline advertising. The problem is by April, the internet imploded or the, that, that version of it. Uh, and there was no customers and there was no money to spend. So we, we, we raised, you know, a couple million dollars bootstrap from friends, not, not, you know, it was, it was, you know, friends and family like Dan and I put our own money and by in November we had 110,000 left and no revenue. So, but but that doesn't sound as much. A, well, well, but even that doesn't sound as a bad idea, but just bad timing. I think it was both. Okay. Sometimes you can be both. <laughs> it's like you know, looking back, it, you know, it, you were you were trying to sell, solve a problem that was not sustainable. Therefore, it's a bad idea. Right. You know, we we caught maybe the best or the worst timing. Maybe if we would have been a year earlier, we would have gotten more momentum. But then that may have been worse. The fact is, our, our plane never took off. We we literally stayed on the runway with no. <laughs> we never took off. So you, you're able to survive the the bust. Does the company change fundamentally? Oh yeah, no. We literally had to let go of everybody and everything and go back to the studs and say, okay, we made a commitment to our investors. Um, a lot of them were our business school friends, and I wanted to go to my reunions, and it's like, we got to hustle back. You know, I think taking someone's money is a big responsibility, and yeah. uh, at least the way you know, we see it, I, saw it, I see it. And but, uh, Actually, real quick, not a lot of people think that. People think you just go out and raise capital, or people think it's available. With, with the numerous investors I've spoke with, to say that taking somebody's money is a big responsibility, you're the first person that's actually come out to say that because there's a weight to that. Yeah, you know, I just think that depends what is it that you're building. If you're yeah. building a network of people that trust you, that you trust, if you're building, you know, character and reputation in your firm, you got to do the right thing, right. right? And, you know, someone is giving you hard-earned money for you to do something with believing in you. I don't know what higher level of responsibility exists to that, yeah. you know, at least from my point of view. But so we, we literally had, you know, mind you, we, we were making zero dollars. We were both starting our families mm -hmm. um, and we basically had a very bleak future. So we went back and started selling kind of consulting programs on direct marketing to big brands, Bell South, Duke Energy, a bunch of higher us here and there. And, it gave us enough momentum to hire a few people again. And, you know, and, and what, what we don't say a lot is we lost enough money in our first year in 2000 that it took us 2001, two and three to make up what we lost. So 
Technically, we've been in business for four years, right? And we have made zero dollars. Yeah, you're, you're just net. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's not a great story of success. Right. So a lot of people think, well, my, you guys kind of have an, a, an attitude of humility or, or or a behavior of humility. Well, when you start the way we started, right? Uh, and I'm glad we did. That was right. probably one of the greatest gifts we got. Yeah. And a lot of people start the story of you know when you're already successful. They don't talk about 2000 to 2004. Yeah. But to me, that's very much part of the success. I think our our I, our, fa- our, our, our challenges is what defines us, not, our, not, our, not the things we accomplish. I'll be honest, I, I could probably talk to you for two hours on your philosophy for raising capital versus what those first years are, but I've got a lot I'd, I'd really like to cover. Um, a, a, along the way, you know, um, your, your perspective changes a little bit. You're, you're involved with Miracle on the Hudson, life-changing, correct? Certainly, I highly recommend it. Right. So, with, with you know, uh, well, you know, I, I know you wrote your book, you know, sharing that story. But what is it that you, to this day, walk away with that you're like, that thing happened, and these things changed in my life, or this one thing changed in my life? You know, listen, we we are not meant to have certainty of death, enough time to reflect upon life and enough youth to come back and do it differently. So in that context, everything changed. So, so with that appreciation, is there, uh, you know, you've had time to, to reflect on that. You, you've con- continued your success. Is it something that's at top of mind? Is there, you know, a golden rule from that or a golden lesson that came out of that? You even asked me early on, like, what is the lesson you learned from that? <laughs> yeah, you know, I... I Cass, the way I, I view this, and this is really kind of a Simon Sinek philosophy, um, there's no winning in life. life. Life is an infinite game. There's no winning in business. Uh, yet we approach everything as a, as a win or lose kind of thing. So the only goal of the game is to stay in the game, especially if you like the game. So my view of this business is I want us to stay current and relevant and you know, in a, in a good place so we can stay in the game, but not so that there's a photo up moment where you're like, oh, you went public and now you, and that's all, that's all a false premise. Right. But to, to be fair, you have been winning along the way, the Ernst & Young Entrepreneurship of the, Entrepreneur of the Year, the Carolinas Entrepreneur Hall of Fame. So, I mean. Yeah, but those things, you know, Simon Perez said, you know, awards are like perfume, nice to smell, then yours to smell. You didn't win anything. You know why I won? We have a group of people that come to work every day for a bigger purpose than themselves, and I am a part of that. That's winning. Awards are completely, they're actually almost the beginning of the end. So um, the fact that I get up in the morning and I'm excited to come to work, the fact that I don't know if it's a Friday or a Monday, the only difference is how tired I am, that's winning. I have a different reason why I think you're winning. So we, uh, you know, when we, we reached out to you is um, based on all of that, well, yeah. that's great, and I, I love having this conversation, is the social aspects that true entrepreneurships on how they're giving back and the philanthropy they do. And that to me with, you know, you know uh, what you've been working on is been, um, to me, that's winning. Like when you realize, as you said, you don't win at life, but really at the same time the impact you're looking to have on the community or the world itself tell me about where where does that where does that start you know i i I view that more of uh 
kind of a, an opportunity, a responsibility versus, you know, a, a winning or losing. You know, I think, you know, and I, I think it was Jeff Bezos a while ago uh, said, you know, the good news is that when you're doing impact work, you do a little, that's a lot. If you change one person's life. So to me, this is I, the way of intertwining everything into one platform. I, I want to live the rest of my journey as part of this platform and the way to do it is to do all the things that I want to do in life as part of the same thing and we've been lucky that we've attracted a lot of people to the company that feel similarly that feel that you know what the reason to do you know well in business is so you can do good in the world and that's a big driver of who we are and it's not for everybody there's a lot of people that you know come here I'm like well what what do you mean we're not going public and we're all going to hit it quick and whatever, that's not for us. We're, you know, this business will be here hopefully 10, 20, 30 years from now, will be different and maybe maybe someone else is running it. Someone else will be running it, the question is when. Unless I run it into the ground, which will be fine too. It's just part of life. So I, I feel you're, un- real quick in our conversation, I feel you're underselling your involvement. But that's who I am. I'm not, I don't undersell anything, that's who I am. Like, okay. you, you know, I'm, I'm, it's like, there's nothing about it that I wouldn't live by. Okay, so so as we and talk, I'm not giving you what you want. Right. You, you're but not I'm giving, giving me, no, but I'm giving you who I am. You, you're giving me who you are, but you're you're hiding some of the best parts. To be honest with you, because there is, uh, we talked about this, the celebrity that comes with entrepreneurship. That you know, we see these people on Instagram or LinkedIn showing the you know the wealth they've accumulated, and then we have the story of somebody who's like. I'm doing well, and now my job is to do well with the world, and and that's part of your story. You've talked about your employees winning your, you, you, the, with the giving pledge. That's the world winning. That's other people. So I, I got to ask, why so modest about it? There's two types of people in the world: those who are humble and those who are about to be humble. And you know what? I, I told you a little bit about our beginning, and we we do understand that a lot of our success has been yes, hard work but a lot of it has been complete randomness and luck. And the day that you start believing it's because you're better than or you know, you deserve it is the day that it all kind of goes away. And therefore the game ends and then you lose because you just want to stay in the game. So I, I view it more as, um, you know, we, we just, we're very fortunate to be in this spot and we just got to stay in this spot for as long as we can. And anything that distracts from that is, it's, it's not who we are. Is there an aspect of making the world a better place? Like, is, is there a place there that you like to spend your time that says, these are the causes that are important to me that I can have a, a bigger impact? And, and, you know, we won't talk about financially, just like where we can spend our time, our efforts. You know, I, I think you just got to be disciplined. We, tra- we treat our social impact work just like we treat any of our businesses. And we run it the same way. We just, you know, we don't have a revenue and an and EBIT number. You know, we have other metrics that we run it by. But, you know, our, our business, our, our, imp- our social impact work is, is as, as rigorous of a business as any of our businesses. And so the question, to answer your question directly, we want to, focus on a place where we think we can we can make a real difference and we want to dense up our bed and not dilute you know it's the same the same principles of life and business we just want to be able to kind of drive enough force and energy to specific things we have picked you know kind of this cohort of 16 to 24 underrepresented youth in our country and we think that there's a way there's many ways to do that and we're doing it you know geographically centric riding the rails of the system 
collecting other you know partners that want, want to be a part of it but again no no pride of authorship this is a social this is an organization that belongs to itself and you know this is all group on the road to hire and you know we're, we're, we're touching over a thousand young uh, adults in our community right now in a very meaningful way um, but that's just you know our responsibility nothing else I, I love your connection, whether it's a business and their employees, whether it's community development, whether it's giving, you know, giving back to the world that the common theme is taking care of the people, taking care of the people in the organization. And I, I really hope more people hear that because it, it's, it really is what it, this is all about. Going back to what you said, that's what winning is. Yeah, listen, every employee, um, you know, we have 5,000 employees or close to right now in, at right now, uh, Red Ventures. All of them are going to leave. I'm going to leave. Right? And I think a lot of times we, we, we have this, <laughs> this relationship where, you know, we think we're going to be together forever or we expect or we are hurt when someone leaves. You know, I'm, I really want people to stay here longer than they thought. I want them to develop more than they would have otherwise. I want them to look back at this chapter. Their career is a very meaningful one. That's winning, right? When someone can look back and say, you know what? This is the way you treat people. This is something I learned when I was at Red Ventures. We did something. Making a little bit more profit, having, you know, becoming a little bit more famous, that, that's, that's not winning, right? So I think organizations have an opportunity to train the next generation of businesses and business leaders, not only in the technical aspects of running a business, which I think we do a very good job, but really in the, in the broader responsibility of business. That's what drives us. I can't think of any better parting words than that. So thank you so much for your time. I appreciate Great. you spending it with yeah, us. I really enjoyed it and thanks for having me. Influence in Entrepreneurs is brought to you by the Entrepreneurs Organization of Charlotte and Spherical Media. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash or visit casmerward.com. Yeah.